I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. You are listening to The Bird Calls. For more breakdowns on the Pelicans, including interviews with coaches, journalists, and opposing experts, go to iTunes, search The Bird Calls, and subscribe today. What's up, Pels fans? Welcome to another episode of The Bird Calls. I'm your host and contributor to TheBirdRights.com, Preston Ellis. And joining me is my immortal foe, my arch nemesis, the antagonist to this podcast, the villain himself, Mr. Kevin Berrios. Sir, I don't care how you are, but you are here. You may speak. It's hard to speak with your hand around my throat. <laughs> uh, tell our listeners a bit uh, why we're mortal enemies. You had some great success this week with uh, two of your articles. The reason I'm so up in arms is because I am. I, I like to think that I am the man who will die on each. I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Juan Moore Hill. And uh, your articles establishing trades involving him and Solomon Hill and Alexis Agensa above, uh, uh, above others were recognized on Bleacher Report and SB Nation on Best of Today. So tell our listeners a bit about those articles and what they can find in them, why they should check them out and that sort of thing. Sure. Um, so I wrote a very long article that Ali smartly broke up into two parts um, about um, you know the Pelicans offseason plans that I've been working on. The second part was... Uh, involving bringing back Boogie, which is my preferred option. Um, so the first part of that is just why we should bring back Boogie, um, which is a fun read that Preston had no problem with, I think. And then the <laughs> second part was um, a plan on how to build around that team, which involved uh, some hard decisions like not retaining Rajon Rondo because his fit with Boogie, in my eyes, doesn't really work so well. And if you have two team leaders that you can't really have on the floor at the same time, it's kind of a problem. So one of them has to go. And Rondo's probably earned more of a paycheck that could fit in with uh, the other roster pieces that I was building in that piece. Um, so it would have been difficult to bring him back anyway. Um, and then I, too, am a huge Etwan Moore fan, despite what Preston Ellis will tell you. Um, but I used Etwan Moore's contract to help dump Solomon Hill's contract as well uh, to open up space for the BAE and making a run at Will Barton. So uh, essentially the plan was uh, to replace Etwan Moore with Will Barton, which I think as much as I love Etwan is an upgrade because Will Barton is a much aggre more aggressive scorer, a much more dynamic scorer. He's two inches taller, a little, probably a little bit better defender. He's a pretty good playmaker and he rebounds. Um, so 
while I hate to see Etwan go, if we replaced him with Will Barton, I would be ecstatic. It's a great article. Make sure you go over and check it out, whether you agree or not with the terms of his deal. And we are even joined by Crescent City Sports' David M. Grubb. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing well. I'm doing very well. Thank you. Nice, of course. Uh, Welcome back to the pod, sir. It's been a while. Now, you guys were at the event last night, um, and obviously not a lot to talk about. Of course, the Pelicans did select Tony Carr at the 51st slot, and he is slated to appear at Summer League in two weeks. But uh, just talk a bit about the vibe, uh, David. Obviously, you guys had some conversations with some of the brass there, Dell Demps, among others. Tell us a bit about what the atmosphere was like and some of the conversations you shared. Well, I think it was, you know, a very muted night. Um, you know, typically the Pelicans have not had first round picks. Uh, you know, the last one was Buddy Heald, obviously, uh, a couple years back. Um, and it just, it was a very calm night. Uh, you just wanted to see if the Pelicans possibly were going to move up into the, the 30s. Um, we felt, I, I think the general consensus was that they didn't move up into the 30s, that they were going to stay at 51 uh, and and that's what happened. Demps was, you know, basically he views the the pick of uh, Tony uh, Carr as a developmental pick, possibly maybe a guy who could contribute. Not a not a, sh- a surefire lock to make the roster, and and that's what you expect at that point in the draft. Um, generally, I think he's just happy that uh, they're going into free agency with what they have, uh, and he feels like he has a good shot to retain the talent that they do have. So. Um, he he seemed optimistic. He talked more than I've heard Dell talk in the three years that I've been covering the team. So he's, he certainly seemed more relaxed than normal. Um, so I think the mood overall is that the Pelicans are, feel like the ship is steady. Um, July 1st, it could get a lot rockier. But right now, the ship is steady in there. And that's unusual for them uh, in the course of, of Dempsey's tenure with the team. Good. Preaching a lot of continuity, and uh, that's where I have a bone to pick with Kevin, but we'll get to that a bit later since he unloaded the entire roster. But uh, at any rate, the main story uh, is going to be the Dallas Mavericks. But before we get to that, just some announcements about uh, NBA Summer League. These guys are not likely to make the roster, but there have been some announcements. Bryant McIntosh, Walt Lemon Jr., DJ Hogg, of course, Tony Carr. Trayvon Blewett, I hope I pronounced that right, and Derek Willis are all going to be joining the Summer League squad. I'll give you a bit more information about them later. But let's talk about the main storyline going forward, Kevin, and that is the Dallas Mavericks. Our worst-case scenario uh, ensued last night. We were hoping that they were going to select Mo Bamba or whatever center fell to them, whether it be Wendell Carter or Marvin Bagley III. But uh, lo and behold, the Atlanta Hawks were married to the idea of Trey Young, so they traded back two picks with the Dallas Mavericks, allowing the Mavericks to select Slovenian star and Real Madrid MVP, Final Four champ, as well as MVP to EuroLeague, uh, by all accounts, the second best professional league in the world. 19-year-old who would be wooing Jennifer Aniston, he says, Luke Doncic, which is going to pack them with the firepower maybe necessary to woo DeMarcus Cousins to take them seriously as a contender now that they have Dennis Smith Jr., uh, Luka Doncic, as well as Harrison Barnes and an aging Dirk Nowitzki. And they still have the room to assemble more talent, of course, with uh, the mid-level exception, biannual exception. If they pull off a trade with the Pelicans, they might uh, assemble a bit more space to operate under the cap. But by all accounts, if they do get boogie, they will probably have to operate over the cap. Talk about your reaction to this and what it means for the Pelicans. Well, I'm not so certain that it's such a terrible thing from the Pelican standpoint as a lot of people are. I mean, you're still 
not sure that Doncic is going to be a star in this league. I mean, he projects, I mean, he's what he's accomplished at his age is incredible, obviously, but you never know how that's going to translate. Um, and he is going to a good team with a good coach and a good track record of developing young players. So, you know, he has a lot of things going for him. But in terms of uh, them prying Boogie away from us, um, if I'm if I'm Dallas and I have Dennis Smith Jr. and I have Luka Doncic, and I know that the Lakers are trying to assemble a super team, I first try to get Julius Randle because he's closer to my timeline. He's not hurt. Um, he's a very good player. Um, you know Boogie's going to take a while to come back to form. Um, also, you know, there's talks of DeAndre Jordan also being the guy that goes there because, look, Luka is not a good defender. Um, Dennis Smith is an okay defender. Uh, Harrison Barnes is not a good defender. So they need, and if you add Boogie to that mix, you know, he's he has defensive liabilities as well. So they need the defense from somewhere. So it's not, like, um, certain that this is the move they're going to make. Now, if it is... Um, and Boogie goes there and then his recovery doesn't work out, and then you just dodged a huge bullet and you're, one of your main rivals is stuck with a bad contract uh, with a player that's not up to living up to par. So they're taking that gamble for you. Um, but one thing that could the Pelicans could really benefit from right now is if they decide that they don't really want, they're not that heavily invested in the idea of bringing Boogie back. Like they'll, Like, it's not... 100% that they want to, but they will bring him back for the for the right reasons. But if there's a way for them to get better by getting rid of him, this could be an opportunity because you could work out a sign and trade with them. And this is something that Ali has talked about and I've heard Kumar talk about it as well, is if you sign and trade Boogie to Dallas and you just take back one player or a player that doesn't have a huge salary or a combination of players don't have a huge salary, you can create a huge trade exception that then you can use to go get a better player, um, like a wing on your side. You could play more of Gentry style, style ball. So in my opinion, if we were going to do that, I would love uh, to trade cousins to Dallas and take back the white Powell, who I think is an underrated player. His contract's a little bit higher than you would like, but it does expire after next year. Um, but he's a very athletic guy. He's a guy I hate when we have to play him because he's a super energy. He reminds me a lot of Rashawn Holmes. He does a lot of things that he does. He's a, he's a good rim protector. He's a super athlete. He's got a high motor. He's around every loose ball. He's just a difference maker. And like, I was looking earlier at his, at his, um, stats and I think his win shares, uh, from last year, uh, let me find that real quick. Um, his win share from last year is 6.6, which is great. He has great rebounding uh, rate. Um, you know, I, I just think he's a good energy guy to bring back. And then you create, say you sign Boogie for, they sign Boogie for $24, $25 million a year. Then you're taking back nine plus million. You have a nice trade exception that then you can maybe, because Wilson Chandler opted into his contract and Dallas drafted Bridges, you might be able to work out a sign and trade with them for Will Barton to come over or, you know, get whatever wing that you think is best with with our first round pick from next year. Um, so I just think that it's not, you shouldn't necessarily look at it as this tragic thing that's happened. Then it's for sure going to be a detriment to the Pelicans because there's a lot of ways for this to work out into the positive for the Pelicans as well. 
All right. Before I throw it over to Grub, uh, just to give you guys the numbers on Dwight Powell, he's got two years and a bit over twenty million left on his contract. He's nine point six million this year, and he has a player option next year for ten point three. I think that's what makes this the deal breaker. But the reason we're talking about all of this, of course, we all want Demarcus Cousins back. I've got an article on the Bird Rides dot dot com describing why it's going to be so difficult not to bring him back but to bring him back at a max salary because if you bring him back at the max salary bobby marks had an uh, a wonderful piece up on espn and even tweeted the details of it about how the pelicans uh would then be unable to avoid the luxury tax at that point signing him to a max would put them somewhere north of 134 million then you're unable to use the mid-level exception the biannual exception then you're forced to give up multiple first round picks to unload solomon hill that sort of stuff at the trade deadline uh so it it is possible that they bring him back in the max salary but it would take a lot of um Smart risk-taking, I guess, on Dell Demp's uh, behalf, but we've seen him engineer these types of things before. So certainly not out of the realm of possibility, but it would make it very difficult. Uh, let's get over back to David Grubb and talk about this. This is a question from Hunter Burns. He said, would it be likely uh, that the Pelicans would institute a sign-and-trade with Dallas if he so chooses them? And I've got the numbers in front of me. They've got $54 million guaranteed plus $5 million of Dirk. You would think he would opt out of that and negotiate something a little bit better. And then $5 million to Luka Doncic. So if they max Boogie at 30, that brings them to about 90. And I think that prohibits them from being able to use the mid-level and biannual exception. But maybe you can answer that a bit better. Talk about the likelihood that the Pelicans would institute a sign-and-trade and take back one of Dwight Powell, Wesley Matthews, and maybe unload, like, say, Alexis Agensa, which, which enables Dallas to, like, unload 13 million off their books while the Pelicans still get to unload Alexis Agenza. What's your view on the sign and trade? Well, I think that, that it becomes more likely the longer we go into the, the free agency process, because if, if cousins has not, uh, he knows what his market is already. Like people act like July 1st is all of a sudden when numbers become available. I mean, the, the general conversations have been had, however they, the channels are used. Um, and and I think that whether Mobamba was picked last night or not, Dallas is going to make their push. Uh, they want him. They uh, people I've talked to in Dallas have told me that you know Cuban has as you know in the words of Woj last night has lasered in on Demarcus Cousins as his number one target in free agency. So I think if if this takes a while, if we're not if we're in the second third week of July and we have not reached some consensus here, then I think the likelihood is that the teams are negotiating a sign and trade. Um, if Demarcus wants to be in New Orleans, I think he knows at this point that it won't be for the max. So that should go quicker, in my opinion, um, if he's come to that conclusion, if he's okay with it, and if he wants to be in New Orleans and can bet on himself in the long haul. If he thinks that he's worth the max, then um, he'll go out and listen to some of these other teams. Uh, and I think the Pelicans then would have to push for a sign and trade to not lose him and, and then be stuck at the salary cap position that they're already in and not have a lot of flexibility still. So um, I think a sign and trade, you know, is likely in that regards, but I don't think um, I don't think it's urgent. I don't think it's one of those things that they want to that they're thinking about right now. All right, moving right along. Uh, so I did some quick math on spot rack to discover how the Mavericks can get themselves over the 101 or 103 marker so that they can institute the mid-level and biannual exceptions. They can do that by just re-signing one of their restricted free agents, Yogi Ferrell, Aaron Harrison, Doug McDermott, or bringing back 
uh, Nerlens Noel, which isn't likely, but if they re-sign one of those guys to whatever, $5 million, it brings them over that threshold and then would allow them to use their mid-level and biannual, but they might want to save some of that space anyway, maybe bring in another free agent that will help them get over that threshold to add some more talent. So a sign and trade, in my opinion, something like maybe a Wesley Matthews for Alexis Agensa buys Dallas $13 million. Uh, but the Pelicans only have to take back $13 because they're offloading Alexis Agensa there uh, and maybe, you know, add one or two more contracts in there to make it a bit closer for the Pelicans to get some breathing room. I don't know. We'll talk about that later if if it should approach. We're all right now hoping that DeMarcus Cousins is going to be back. The only two main suitors said to be Los Angeles and Dallas. And Michael Shadow of The Athletic and Sporting News were the ones reporting two days ago that Dallas is very confident. But like David said, uh, of course, they still have to court Julius Randle. They still have to court DeAndre Jordan should he opt out of his $23.9 million final year, which he is not anticipated to do. But you never know. So we've got a question from Cooper Ashcraft. And he says, Kevin, assuming Boogie does sign with Dallas or any other party for that matter, what does it mean for New Orleans in the rest of free agency? Well, it means they have to get off of, uh, try to get off of Solomon Hill and Alexia Jensa to open up more space. I mean, and that's basically the bottom line. They need to create a little bit more space um, to, to be able to fill out that roster and get those two players that, I mean, Solomon Hill can be a contributor, can play minutes, but Jensa, especially in an Alvin Gentry system that relies on running up and down and being fast, that, I mean, that, Agenza cannot play in that system. So um, that's what has to be done. All right, cool. Easy enough. Uh, the second part of his question was, could the Pels potentially get after Rudy Gay or Trevor Reza to fill that need for a wing? Whether or not DeMarcus Cousins comes back, I still think they're going to try to utilize at least some of that mid-level exception. They're probably going to have to give some of it to Rajon Rondo, but the other portion of it, they're probably going to use to go after a wing. Alvin Gentry during uh, the season-ending press conference said that they want to add some more size on the perimeter. So let's go over to Grubb and get your take on this. Um, is is there any plan of action you think the Pelicans specifically take should DeMarcus Cousins uh, walk out? And I'll reference another question while I do this. Desmond Dickerson says, if Dallas does snatch up Boogie, and I hope he doesn't, how viable does Dwight Howard become? Again, you know, I think you deal with the same problems chemistry-wise that Dwight has had at every stop. Um, you know, that's been the thing is, is locker rooms tire of Dwight Howard. And I think what you've seen from Dell and what you've seen from Alvin is that they understand that the chemistry of that locker room is very important. Uh, bringing in a personality like Dwight and mixing him with a Rajon Rondo, that doesn't seem like it's going to fit, you know, just from the outset. Uh, I, also, you you know, Dwight has a skill set, obviously, that that you, you like. He can still run the floor. He can still rebound. He can still block shots. Those are all things that are attractive to teams, but you have to take the whole package of Dwight along with that. And I don't know um, when you. All right. I think we lost him. Kevin, are you still there? Yeah, be very good. Mm -hmm. Or they could go backwards. Um, I think the Pelicans. I think the Pelicans have to uh, make sure that that they don't commit to somebody like Dwight at this stage. With the the players that they need are guys who are going to not bring problems to the locker room, who are not going to be question marks. They need more certainty at this stage than anything um, going into next season. All right, cool. Uh, this is a question from Big 
I big is 23. Sorry about that. Big is uh, it says if the Pelicans had 30 million to spend in free agency, would Boogie even be a priority? It seems like they're bringing him back due to necessity and not desire. And Kevin, before you get into this, obviously, uh, Dell Dems has a lot tied to DeMarcus Cousins in those two first round picks that turned into John Collins and Buddy Heald on top of that, potentially being a job saving deal that he pulled off. So for him to let DeMarcus Cousins obviously would have a bad look to it at this point. But with that being said, I think everybody right now has come out and said all the right things. Everybody is interested in DeMarcus Cousins coming back. And it's not just his his price tag that that makes all of this difficult. Uh, financially, the Pelicans find themselves strapped for many of the reasons that you guys have said. Solomon Hill, in addition to Alexis Agensa, uh, when you have two uh, great caliber MVP, uh, all-team defense type players like Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday, you do have to pay them. So the Pelicans are trying very carefully to make the math work, but it is difficult, and that's why we're having these conversations. So answer this question, if you will, Kevin, and and just talk about the Pelicans' willingness or unwillingness to pay anyone at that position, you know, four years, $130 million. Yeah. Well, I think, I think the answer to that question is no, they wouldn't be bringing him back. I mean, we've heard enough whispers of problems and concerns that they had about him in the locker room. We hear a report that Alvin Gentry asked to have him traded before the injury. So, you know, that the relationship isn't a hundred percent great, which is also why you would, they would never consider bringing in Dwight Howard. But, um, you know, he is a great player, and, and right now he's, he's the only avenue to another superstar player that the Pelicans realistically have. So, yes, it is sort of a handicap thing to bring him back. But if they had $30 million to spend, they would certainly use it to find a guy that better fits what Gentry wants to do, and that's play fast and share the ball and have Anthony Davis and Miritich play more of the – or the five spots and, you know, play a little bit smaller, I guess you could say, even though that is still pretty big, but get, um, get a wing that will, that will fill all their needs, you know, a six, seven, six, six to six, eight guy on the wing that can shoot threes and pass the ball and won't hold the ball and will play within the system and play defense and be versatile on defense. I think that's what you know, they would spend it on. I think Grub just uh, mentioned Paul George, and I, I want to reference something I think that Kevin said, is that Alvin Gentry said during his season-ending presser that that they were able to push the pace with DeMarcus Cousins, but obviously they were just seventh in the league with DeMarcus Cousins. They were first in the league without him in terms of pace. So do you do you believe, Grub, kind of what Kevin was, um, I, I don't want to say inferring there, but maybe suggesting that if the Pelicans had the choice between having somebody at the five at 30 million a year and somebody at the three at 30 million a year, and they were the same caliber player that they would prefer that player to be at the three, somebody who spreads the floor and gets up and down a bit quicker. Absolutely. Cause I think the defensive versatility is the, is the main uh, difference um, to have a wing who can play uh, both ends of the floor to defend the Kevin Durant, the LeBron James's of the world, to give you that resistance, which is the one area where the Pelicans, you know, did struggle, um, you know, especially against Durant. Drew Holiday gave a yeoman's effort, but he's just not able to. I mean, first of all, nobody's able to stop Kevin Durant anyway. But if you have, if you're putting a six foot four inch guy on him, you just you're really handicapping yourself. So yeah, they'd love to have a six foot seven, six foot eight wing who could do those things, who could take some of that ha- ball handling pressure off of Drew and off of Rondo. Um, when you're moving the ball, have somebody who can create their own shot when the clock uh, the clock is winding down on the perimeter. 
Um, and then also, I think the, the thing about DeMarcus, and again, it's not, I, I don't think anybody wants to say he's not a great player because he is a great player. I think it always becomes, and it's not about pace either. When people talk about just about, well, they want to pay it, play at pace. The issue becomes for DeMarcus is turnovers. And how does that impact pace? Or defensively, how, and how does he impact things that way? Um, you know, those are the questions. Because it's not about tempo. They're always going to play with tempo. But do those five or six turnovers that DeMarcus commits are they worth it? Um, are are his lapses on defense? Are they worth it? So those are the questions that have to, that are going to get asked. To simply boil it down to pace, I think is people oversimplifying it because I think their eyes are showing them that the Pelicans ran more. But why did they run more? Why was the pace higher? It's because they didn't have as many empty possessions. Um, and and can Demarcus change? And that's a big question of it too. So I think you know, I think ultimately yes. If you ask Dalvin Gentry today. What would he rather have in an honest moment? He'd say a small forward. But like Kevin said, you can't just let an all-star walk out of the door and not get something at least near its equivalent in return, or else you're just, you know, that, that kind of talent doesn't come your way very often. So either you figure out a way to make it work or you get something in a trade. Yeah, I think we're definitely at a place in the NBA where the center probably has its lowest uh, value in terms of the way that Golden State plays. You know, the world champs have Draymond Green running the center in their crunch time lineups and against the Houston Rockets. We even saw Clint Capella come off the floor in favor of guys like P.J. Tucker. So the value for that position just isn't what it was 10 years ago in the NBA right now. But with that being said, with the draft coming around and guys like Mo Bamba, Marvin Bagley, and DeAndre Ayton, if these guys can run it back and can reinstitute the 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 force and the firepower that that position did bring then then everything could turn on its head yet again and and that's something that we'll have to see in five years if these big taller longer players are in fact being run off the court in favor of guys who are you know smaller and quicker and guys with length unicorn so to speak but uh that's something that we can save for another for another day let's go ahead and get moving before we get moving uh, hang on some... one second Preston. Yeah. can i can i just add a little bit to that definitely um one thing also piggybacking on what David was saying is like, if you replace cousins, if you take cousins off the team, you still have Anthony Davis to play center. You like on this team, you don't have a guy to play that wing spot that you could have spent that 30 million on. And the problem also means that you have to put drew holiday on Kevin Durant to even have a chance. Whereas if you had a guy that was serviceable at that spot, you could have, Drew Holiday guarding Stephen Curry instead. Now you're like moving your best perimeter defender on a on a on a obvious mismatch that he's not really going to have much success on anyway because nobody can guard um, Kevin Durant anyway. So, but then you're also opening up, making it life easier for Steph Curry or Clay Thompson, whoever you could have had Drew Holiday on. So that's also the thing to look at. This roster has two very good big men on it already, and Miritich and Davis. So, you know, that's another reason also DeMarcus Cousins is hurt, so you never know what he's going to come back as. Definitely. Nice point. Uh, and actually, I'll throw this back to you, Kevin. Um, we, we had a bit of breaking news. Wilson Chandler opting into the final year of his $13 million annual contract. And I'm going to look up the numbers while you talk, but basically the Denver Nuggets with Paul Millsop's uh, giant contract of $30 million per year, plus their need to re-sign Nikola Jokic, is going to limit their ability to re-sign one of the guys you mentioned previously in our podcast, Mr. Will Barton. Talk about why the Pelicans might target Will Barton. Well, also, they 
uh, Darrell Arthur also opted into his contract, and they still have uh, Fareed on their con on their salary too, or other big contracts eating up space. So it's going to be hard for them to bring back Barton. And Barton is a great slasher. He's an incredible athlete. He's a solid defender. He can shoot the three. He dunks on people like crazy. He's aggressive. Um, you know, he 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 does everything you want from a wing, really. I mean, he's not that incredible lockdown defender or that Paul George would be, but I mean, you, that's a superstar. Will Barton is right under that level, you know, like borderline all all star in the right situation um, kind of player. Um, and he's just a guy that can get buckets in multiple ways. And he's also a guy who shares the ball and he also rebounds. Um, you know, he, he, I think I, I don't have his numbers in front of me, but I, I mean, I've looked at him a lot recently, but you know, he's over, I think he's over five assists and over five rebounds uh, last year. And he's played in Chris Finch's system familiar with th that. And I think he would just be a perfect fit out there on the wing. Um, and, uh, you know, he's a guy that you can go to and rely on to score when somebody else is cold or the defense is focusing on him. Um, and he will give us some, you know, we all love those AD dunks. Well, you're going to love Will Barton dunks if you get him too, because he's, He's also a guy who just dunks on people like crazy. 16, 5, and 4 in 33 minutes per game, shooting over 45% from the field and 37% from three. This is how many errors the Denver Nuggets have made in the past two years. On top of signing Paul Millsap to somewhere in the neighborhood of three years and $90 million and still having Kenneth Fareed and Daryl uh, Arthur combining for $21 million, I think it is, next season, they opted to trade for Trey Lyles. That was the pick that became Donovan Mitchell. And the the pick that they then instituted, which was somewhere in the early 20s, became Tyler Lydon, another power forward. In addition to that, they have Juan Hernan Gomez. So right now they have three guards in Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, and Malik Beasley, Wilson Chandler at the three. And then at the four, they have Paul Millsap, Kenneth Fareed, Daryl Arthur, Trey Lyles, Juan Hernan Gomez, Tyler Lydon, on top of having Mason Plumley and Nikola Jokic at the center position. So they they do have a, a noticeable bit of talent on this team, but they have really steered themselves into the ground with how much money they've been spending at the four and five in recent years. So they are not going to be able to bring back Will Barton unless they're able to unload Mason Plumley in some fashion, but they are going to want to give some more money to Nikola Jokic. So it, it certainly looks like he's going to be on the market this year. Uh, let's go back to Grubb. You can talk about Will Barton if you want to, or any free agents that you hope the Pelicans do chase. After that, we're going to start talking about some of these picks and summer league. Yeah, I, I really don't want to even talk about free agents yet because it's just until the Rondo domino falls and um, until, you know, there's some type of certainty with DeMarcus Cousins, I think it's just how can they go pursue free agents? I mean, you've got to make these deals. You've got to try to trade, uh, you know, Alexia Jensen. You've got to try to trade Solomon Hill. And like you said, you may even lose each one um, more because he's your most attractive piece on your bench outside of a Jensen's expiring contract. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's a very difficult position for them to be in because how do you pursue anyone not knowing what dollars you have? And, and that's where the Pelicans are as of today. So, you know, you know, Dell alluded to it last night that he expects it to be a very, very hectic July 1st. So, you know, I expect the same. I think we will see a flurry of, of, of moves around the league and how the Pelicans fit into that will be extremely interesting because how much are they willing to go in on this team? How far are they willing to go all in knowing that they want to have something ready 
um, to be a championship contender for Anthony Davis in two years at the most. So, I mean, it's, it's a very um, difficult position to be in. We've said it ad nauseum about their finances, but even with that, even if it worked with the finances, it's like just looking at the roster, it's who do you move and how do you move them to get value back? I mean, look at a guy like Darius Miller, who, you know, when I say if DeMarcus Cousins doesn't return, how attractive is Darius Miller to keep? Because he played so differently with Cousins on the floor than without him. You know, so even though Darius is not a high-priced uh, uh, player, the problem it becomes, does he have value to the Pelicans anymore if DeMarcus Cousins isn't around? Because if he's the guy that we got at the end of the season, there's no use for him on the roster. So there are just so many questions and so many plates spinning right now that, yeah, I don't, it, it, it's to me, outside of saying a guy like a Will Barton who you know is in a position to be poached, there are very few guys at the positions of need that the Pelicans want that they can out and out shop for at this stage. Yeah, so I, I've been on the record with what I think is going to happen. And, and again, I've got that article on the birdrights.com. I think DeMarcus Cousins is going to come back, but I think he's going to give the Pelicans a bit of a discount uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of $25 million annually. That's going to give the Pelicans the breathing room and Dell Demps the breathing room to shed Alexis Agensa's uh, contract, which will put them somewhere around 122 123 And then they'll have to give probably 4 $5 million to Rondo, which will put them back into the tax threshold. And then they'll hold on to Salmon Hill or Etuan Moore until the trade deadline, and they'll try to get some more talent while shedding that necessary four to five million dollars to get back under that apron but uh we'll see what happens if that doesn't happen of course the pelicans have the mid-level and the biannual to work with to bring back rondo and add possibly one or two other players let's get into the draft tony carr uh 20 points per game in a sophomore year at penn state five assists per game and five rebounds let's just go ahead and run through all these guys who are added uh we've got dj hogg from texas he's about six nine he's a three and d type prospect an eighth or ninth man at his best uh at his best ceiling that's what jonathan gavoni of draft express says walt lemon jr scored 17 points in 35 minutes last year in five games on two 10-day contracts we've got bryant mcintosh the point guard from northwestern he was uh he has the record in northwestern for assists in a game, assists in a single season, and career in assists at Northwestern. And he also led them, I believe, to their only tournament appearance or win, something like that. Then we've got Trevon Blewett. I hope I said that right. He's a six foot five shooting guard, second all time in scoring at Xavier, and second team All American. And then we've got Derek Willis, who played for Kentucky, but I don't think he got a lot of minutes. He went undrafted last year, and the Pistons took a look at him in summer league, but he only ended up averaging. Three and a half points per game. A lot of these guys just seem like they're going to be, you know, summer league bodies, camp bodies. Um, let's send this to Kevin. Obviously, you won't know this until we see them in two weeks. But would you expect any of these guys to get a longer look than others? I mean, if I were going to tell you I knew anything about any of those guys, it would be an absolute lie. The only guy that I've seen anything from is Walt Lemon Jr., obviously, because he played a few games for us. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I'm going to when I go to summer league, I'm going to see these guys for the first time, really. So, uh, I, you know, but you can't expect anything out, out of summer league additions. You might find a diamond in the rough here or there. Um, uh, which, which one did you say was a, a ceiling eighth or ninth guy? Uh, so DJ, DJ hog has the length and he does have the shooting touch to perhaps put it all together. But, uh, mm-hmm. he had some character issues that kept him out of the draft. And, uh, most people think that his fundamentals and, as well as his athleticism are going to keep him from being like a long time, uh, veteran starter in the NBA. But should he be able, it, he is a capable defensive player. 
uh, it says here, and uh, he has a nice stroke, as I already uh, prefaced this with. So there is the possibility that he could make an NBA roster and, and create a career for himself. I mean, if you get an eighth or ninth guy out of an undrafted guy, that's a great job. Well done. You know, that's really all you can expect at the ceiling from any of these guys. So, I mean, there's really no point in nitpicking uh, the summer league team, really, um, especially till we really see them play, um, which even summer league isn't such a great testament to that because, you know, a lot of guys are going to be auditioning. You know, they're going to not play within a system as much as they should because, first off, there's hardly any time to install a system but also they're using it as an audition. So they're going to be trying to look to get theirs. Um, so yeah, it's really hard to evaluate. And I, I don't think Pelicans fans should spend a whole lot of time uh, looking into it. Now, if you want to look into Carr and really start to analyze him, he was a draft pick. So they obviously think high enough of him to take him in the draft. And, you know, Dell seems pretty intrigued by him, but definitely cautioned that there's a chance he's not going to be on this team next year. Um, I mean, this coming year. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. But um, yeah, I wouldn't get too, too focused in on these guys yet. Grub, I'm going to combine my question with Britt Benoit's. Uh, there's a lot of guards here, Bryant McIntosh, Walt Lemon, Tony Carr, and Trevon Blewett uh, to go with Derek Willis, who looks like he's just a body and potentially DJ Hogg, the one we said could long-term maybe make an NBA roster. Britt's question is with pick 51 being basically a Hail Mary, why wouldn't you just take a chance on a wing prospect, especially with Frank Jackson uh, seemingly healthy this year? David, my question to you is why so many guards? Um, I think that is an interesting question. I mean, we we don't know what the Pelicans board was. And Dell's comment last night was that he took the best player. Um, so uh, I guess according to their board, this was the highest rated player at that position um, at that time. Uh, so I'm not going to question it in that too much. Um, I do think obviously they, they need, if you're going to draft a guard, I was surprised they didn't draft more of a pure point guard uh, because they have a bunch of combo guards. You have each one, you have Drew, um, Ian Clark is a combo guard. If he comes back, you know, Rondo being the question mark, I would have thought maybe you try to bring in a, a, a more pure point guard, but again, you're at 51. Um, there were some bigs on the board that I thought could have been um, potential picks. Um, but again, you know, I'm, you can't argue at this stage, anything below the forties, you're going to just see where guys fit. And if you can find a body that, that works for you, the Pelicans concern, a higher level they're looking for guys who can fit in that top eight of their rotation and you're not going to find that guy at pick 51 um you know i think the summer league thing is really about two guys it's about seeing if check diallo can take another step to being a solid rotational player instead of a, an occasional one and it's seeing if frank jackson is fully healed and can play the game at the level that people expect them to the rest of those guys are there because they need bodies it's i think to me the summer league is about two players and and that's what they're playing these games for um and if we see something out of frank jackson that you know i think people are going to look really hard and and like kevin said people may you know you don't want to put too much into summer league because it is not an actual basketball environment with a structured offense and guys playing on a t real team basis in most cases uh so i think you know we tend to overanalyze summer league play but for jackson you just want to see is he healthy does he get up down the court well does his shot look good those types of things. I'm not going to be worried about, does he turn the ball over? You know, I do want to see if he tries to defend, is he going to, you know, those types of things. But, um, you know, other than that, the bodies that are there, 
they won't be there um, come October. Uh, I talked last summer with uh, my buddy at Duke in the NBA, and he, of course, is the editor for DukeReport.com. And he was just talking about uh, how athletic and how incredible uh, Frank Jackson's upside could possibly be. So to answer Solomon's question, uh, have you guys ever been more excited for Pelican Summer League? No, it's my first time attending, so I'm super pumped. Uh, to see Frank Jackson, what he can do. Does he have that explosiveness that everybody said uh, he should have had last year coming off that foot surgery that could have made him potentially a late lottery selection, ended up dropping to the Pelicans early in the second round. So very pumped for that one. I'm going to throw this one to Kevin. Uh, these these questions are from our good friend Salman and Waka Waka Wakanda. So thank you to all of you guys for sending in your questions. Salman says, so did Dell Demps get an extension or not? He didn't seem to want to talk about it in the press conference. He seemed real happy. Um, so I'm going to say, I mean, obviously just all the signs of Alvin Gentry getting an extension, uh, you would think that he got it. I mean, it's pretty much certain certain that he got it. And with as happy and as relaxed as he seemed, I would think he's got some sense of security. So yes, I would I would bet money on the fact that he's locked up as well, probably to the same amount of years as Alvin Gentry, they're all going to be tied in together with Anthony Davis's future. And we go forward with that. And uh, just real quick to talk about Frank Jackson as well. Um, I'm very excited about seeing Frank Jackson and Chuck Diallo play together. That's going to be fun because those guys are both awesome athletes. Um, and I just want to see if Frank Jackson can fill those minutes that Ian Clark gave us this year. Um, not that they're the same player and they'll, play that role differently but just that a guy who can be that sort of combo guard coming off the bench score sort of facilitator um you know role and uh that's what i'm looking for in summer league and you know david's absolutely right it's just about those two guys really all right last question then i'll let you guys go thank you so much for your time i know kevin's got to get out of here this is from waka waka wakanda and i'll open this up to either of you uh, Nike, of course, is now the official sponsor of the NBA. It was previously Adidas, I believe. Is Nike sponsoring the Summer League jerseys? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I'm going to Google it real I quick. Because <laughs> I, I, I have no idea. It's a really interesting question. I'm going to assume gonna, that they are, but I I'm honestly assume have that they are, and I'm going to buy. I'm going to buy a Frank Jackson one and have it framed and hang it up on my wall. I think we're all going to get <laughs> matching matching jerseys. Grub, any... Uh, any news on whether or not you're going to be joining us in Vegas? Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to, but, you know, your family obligations always come first. My wife is starting a new job. So, you know, those things always take precedence. But I would love to be down there with you guys. If not, if I won't, if I'm not down there, of course, I'll be with you in spirit. It will be communicating. But, um, you know, I, I always watch. Um, I, play, I pay close attention just to see, um, you know, especially with the Pelicans issue, you want to see that development. Um, you want to see if check, especially how does his body look? Um, I, I'm really interested to see if he's added more weight. If he comes in, um, his, how's his footwork? Uh, you know, that was something that got away with him uh, from him at times. So, you know, uh, with Frank Jackson, like you said, you just want to see, because that's like a Christmas present that's been sitting under the tree for two years and you just want to open it finally. And whatever it is, whether it's a pair of socks or if it's a PlayStation, you just want to be like, okay, at least I know what I've got now. And um, so I think, you know, yeah, there's going to be a lot of excitement around that. Um, 
you know, this this is the defining offseason for the Pelicans. And I think even Dell got that too, the continuity. He talked about the two previous playoff runs and how the first team, you know, was kind of destroyed by trade. You know, everybody left, Chris Paul, that group. And then the second playoff team being destroyed by injury um, to Tyreek and to Drew. And, of course, you know, Ryan Anderson, everybody got hurt. Now you have this third opportunity. Um it's rare for a franchise to get to reinvent itself for a third time under the same administration, basically. So yeah, this is, this is going to be the defining off season maybe for this franchise for the next five to 10 years. And, and so, yeah, it starts July 1st and then with summer league, it's going to just start really ramping up from there. So this is an exciting off season. I think fans should continue to pay attention. Um, and, and, and just to continue to ask those questions because they give us leads um, to things that we haven't thought of and things to consider and things to write about. So yeah, just I, I, the engagement from the fans has been great. And I just hope it stays throughout the summer. I hate to say this. I almost think that just by our expectations alone, the summer is going to be a bit of a letdown because I think DeMarcus Cousins is going to return. However, he's not going to return until sometime around like July 8th or July 10th, because of course you've got you know, a lot of visits coming into Dallas and Los Angeles and everybody's going to be awaiting uh, LeBron James and where he ultimately ends up dictating uh, where he's going to be playing next season. That should come out sometime around the fourth or the fifth, uh, just based just uh, or judging based on when he's announced uh, his arrivals to teams in the past, in the past four and eight years, it might be a bit of waiting. And then once DeMarcus Cousins come back, it's just re-signing Rajon Rondo. And then that's pretty much your team. And then you've got some minimum contracts to deal with. And then maybe you deal Salmon Hill and Alexis Agensa. But I think the most valuable time to do that would be around the trade deadline. So kind of the most important part of the off season is going to be the summer league and just filling out that roster with spots, you know, nine through 15. And let me just give you guys the dates Friday, July the 6th. They will be playing around noon on ESPN U Saturday at 2 PM, 4 PM central on NBA TV Monday at two ESPN U. And then all the other games are TBD, but they could be potentially Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Anyway, that's our show for now. Uh, I'll I'll throw it to Kevin really quick uh, and and just give you a chance to rebut what I was saying. Do you think this is going to be actually a much quieter off season than we all anticipate? Uh, I, not necessarily. I mean, I don't necessarily disagree with you on what you just said. The only thing that I disagree with you on is the time frame because I think a lot of stuff is already in the works and, uh, you know, a lot of talks are already happening. So people will have a very clear picture of where DeMarcus is going, you know, by the time July 1st comes around because, you know, we know that talk talks happen and, um, you know, I think everybody wants to move on and get ready and, and start building their team. So they're not going to wait. Um, this is not a situation that LeBron James is holding up. Nobody has to wait for that because the Lakers aren't pursuing DeMarcus Cousins. He really only has, um, you know, a few landing spots. If there's a possibility of a sign and trade with Washington, then there's Dallas and the other teams are like teams that he wouldn't want to go to anyway that could be in the mix and wouldn't want them for want him for uh, their current situations. So uh, that's the only thing I disagree with you on, but you, you are right that it, it could very much be rolling back the same exact team and, uh, you know, go starting off in October. And then we see some changes later on um, as teams decide that they're not as good as they thought they were. Then we're able to dump some salary like Hill or um, against later on. Prediction time, David. We get to Summer League on Saturday morning, July the 7th. By then, has DeMarcus Cousins re-signed with the Pelicans or not? 
Um, if it's by the seventh, then I think it's probably a sign and trade. If it's early, um, I think that, you know, the earlier it is, the, the quicker, uh, you know, then I think he's made the decision to come back to the Pelicans. But the longer I think it goes on, that means to me is that the Pelicans are negotiating um, with other ple- other people. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. This has been the Bird Calls. Of course, follow Kevin at Kevin B for Bounce, David at DM Grub. I'm your host, Preston Ells. Follow me at Preston Ells. Remember, you guys, if you like what you're hearing, do us a big, big favor. I know it just takes a second for you. Just hit that little retweet button. Get the word out there. We appreciate it so much. And then if you have a bit of extra time and you really like us, subscribe on iTunes, rate us, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you guys get your podcasts from. Kevin, do you have a part three coming out? What's in the works for you? I do. Um, you know, I'll, I'll go ahead and write the third part where if Cousins just walks and we don't get any compensation from that, uh, from him leaving, if he were, were to be just signed outright, say, you know, obviously Dallas is the number one, uh, the number one chance of that happening, um, you know, how to, how to build without getting any return for him um, and how to build the team that way. So I will have that written up, you know, hopefully sometime next week, although uh, I got a pretty busy weekend, and then I am going to Pensacola for for three days next week. So it might not be till later than that, but we'll see. You love that Pensacola, uh, Mr. Grub at Crescent City Sports. If you guys uh, didn't follow him there already, make sure that you do that. Anything you're particularly working on, sir? Well, you know, today I put up just a little wrap up of of draft night, obviously, and then look ahead towards free agency. But I think the the one thing I want to wait on is just to see what that that full summer league roster looks like, and then talk more about uh, the Diallo and Jackson and how important their development is. Um, whether the Pelicans are able to succeed in free agency or not, um, just how big their roles should be in next season. So that's what I'll be working on over the next week or so. All right, you guys, thank you so much for your time. For those of you listening, thank you so much for your questions. Thanks for tuning in. And yeah, let's go Pels. We hope you've enjoyed listening to the bird calls on OTG and nothing but net here on Dash Radio. If you like what you're hearing, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes, retweet, share with your friends, and most importantly, subscribe today. The news on flavored e-cigs talks a lot about the technology and teen use, but parents need to know more about the dangers of nicotine. So know this. One, nicotine is a toxic poison that can rewire teens' brains. Two, it can increase mood swings. Three, it can limit attention and learning. So even when it tastes like candy, nicotine is brain poison. Go to flavorshookkids.org for more. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.